Welcome to the GAIN Service Academy Admission Podcast. In these episodes, we will explore all things related to gaining a coveted appointment to the Air Force Academy, Naval Academy, and West Point. And here are your hosts, Rob Kirkland and Trish Penroth. Hi, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Rob Kirkland, and I'm, I'm here with my partner in crime, Captain Trish Penrod. How are you doing, Trish? Great, sir. How are you today? Good, good. Did you survive the hurricane in Florida? I did. I did. It, it came for us, but uh, we made it out unscathed. Came really close, though. We got really lucky. Yeah. So, yeah, you didn't, didn't quite uh, get to where you were at, but... Uh, we at uh, we were concerned about you, and I'm glad that you are uh, that you're safe and sound. And uh, and even in the middle of the hurricane, you we were you were you were looking at what we were going to do for this podcast and what what information we were going to put out. Yes, that's right. That's right. And <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about the ROTC and JROTC nomination today. Yeah, and so. Uh, this really was spurred by, you know, by a number of our uh, people that we work with who have brought this question up um, about this about this nomination process through the ROTC and junior ROTC. And, uh, you know, after getting a number of inquiries, uh, we decided that we should uh, put out a podcast and then we'll uh, publish a blog from this podcast. But there's really not one place that has like all of this consolidated information together. And this is really kind of what we love to do at, um, you know, in this podcast is really give you things uh, that, you know, you can't find elsewhere or just kind of, you know, in the shadows or not really explained very well and kind of just give it to you, do some research for you and just, you know, present to you what we, what we find uh, regarding this. So, Today, uh, we're going to talk about this, the ROTC and junior ROTC nomination uh, process and, and how that works. And uh, so we'll go into that. So let's talk about um, the nomination process itself. So remember that you can't get an appointment uh, to a service academy without a nomination. And that nomination can come from a variety of places, but there's two different uh, types. There's um, the congressional uh, nominations that you get uh, through uh, your member of, of um, Congress. And the second uh, major category is called service connected. And so there are 1,200 slots each year to, uh, and to the uh, service academies. And um, out of the 1,200 slots, uh, 75% are congressionally mandated in the other quarter or so are service connected. So let's talk about where the service connected categories come from. This is the other 20 to 25% of, of slots to, to the academy, to these academies. First is uh, junior ROTC and ROTC. So what is ROTC and junior ROTC? Well, our reserve officer training corps is at your colleges and universities, and that's run by active duty cadre, uh, and they uh, at they are in charge of ensuring that uh, through a two to four year uh, training period that college students upon graduation and obtaining of the bachelor degree or higher 
commissioned to become second lieutenants or ensigns in the United States uh, military. So, so that sir, is this fun. is a parallel program, right? Along another commissioning source alongside the service academies. Right. So this is, so this is not, yeah. So this is, this is you, they produce the same product, meaning a, a lieutenant or an ensign, uh, but it's at a college or university, not at, uh, not at a service academy. And so the majority of officers that are in the uh, service are ROTC products, not service academy products. So that's where we get the majority of our officers for the, uh, for the services. And then there's the junior ROTC. So this is, these are high schoolers right, at high school programs across the country that uh, learn about citizenship and leadership through uh, a program on their high school campus. It is not a recruit. It's not designed to be a recruiting tool to, to bring people into the service. It's mainly a orientation, citizenship, and leadership for those in high school who determine determined that they would like to have this um, this preparation. So that's ROTC versus junior ROTC. So sometimes those are mixed up when people. When, like, I was a professor of uh, military science, Army ROTC at Claremont McKenna and then USC, and I would tell people sometimes I was an ROTC instructor, and they would think I was a junior ROTC instructor in high school. And I had to tell them, well, the junior ROTC instructors are normally retirees uh, who are in high school uh, teaching this. I'm in a college program on active duty, getting people getting candidates and cadets ready for uh, service as the second lieutenant or ensign uh, in the military. So that's a really big difference. Yeah, yeah, I know. And so it's, um, you know, big difference between the two. Uh, but uh, again, the the ROTC, junior ROTC, interestingly enough, is is managed by the usually by the same command. So like for Army ROTC, it's managed by cadet command. That's ROTC and junior ROTC, even though the, pro- the programs are separate. Second is a presidential nomination, and it is children um, of career military. Uh, so we have a blog post on that, and I believe we're probably going to do a future uh, podcast episode on the presidential nomination. But that is uh, mainly children of career military, whether that's <clears throat> active duty, military, retired military, or guard and reserve. Third is the uh, slots for enlisted airmen, soldiers, sailors, or Marines. There's uh, slots for active duty uh, personnel that are uh, that are serving uh, full time, and then there's a separate category for reserve and National Guard uh, that are part time. Uh, and there's a category for that. We should note that uh, the prep schoolers who uh, for that are the like for each academy has a preparatory school. Those who come directly from high school uh, into the prep school can qualify through the guard and reserve numbers. If you had a someone who's coming from active duty to the prep school and stays on active duty, then they would qualify under the active duty uh, category for a service-connected nomination. And then finally, the final two are children of Medal of Honor recipients. 
uh, and then children of deceased, disabled, that's 100% disabled, POW or MIA. And then, um, and then there's some, a few non-service connected uh, uh, nominations that are mainly for the vice president of the United States, the superintendent of the various service academies, and some of the territories uh, in the in like Puerto Rico, the American American Guam and Samoa, um, the Virgin Islands, things like that. Those are uh, the non-service connected presidential vice president or superintendent. So uh, with that out of the way, and so that you kind of get an idea of where we where you get these service connected nominations from. Again, it's ROTC Junior ROTC is one category. Presidential is another category. Enlisted from the active duty or enlisted from the Guard and Reserve, Children of Medal of Honor recipients, Children of Deceased, Disabled, POW, MIA veterans, and then the Vice Presidential nominations, uh, Territories of the United States, and the Superintendent. So I think I've covered all of that. So, so talk to me about, uh, give me a, give me a cat. Did I cat? Did I get everything there? You did, sir. And, and I know this is a lot of information, so this is going to be on our blog post as well for JROTC, ROTC nomination. You can go look on the site, gainserviceacademyadmission.com for that. Okay, cool. So I think it's, you know, you, you listed out so many different types of nominations there. <laughs> But as you said, sir, 75% are coming from congressional members of Congress, right? So your representative or your senators. And then the other 25% are from that list, that long list that you just said. So if you think about 25% of 1,200 slots, that's really not a lot. And when we look at the, the JROTC, ROTC nomination, there's only 20 vacancies per year per service academy. And that's it. That's really important to take into account because this is a niche, very small nomination opportunity for students. And, you know, it, it's worth noting that each unit at a minimum can submit up to three names per year. So let's just let's just break down the numbers here. If we have an army JROTC, or let's say, let's say you're applying to West Point. Uh, you're in Army JROTC. Well, there's actually 1,700 schools across the United States that have an Army JROTC program. So if you only looked at JROTC programs alone for Army, that would be over 5,000 candidates that could potentially be nominated if every single unit nominates three students. Now, that's not going to happen. You know, The chances of that happening are very, very small. But it just shows you that you could be be potentially competing against 5,000 people for 20 vacancies. So, so this is a this is a great thing to apply for. And as we tell everyone, apply to every nomination that you're eligible for, but certainly don't rely on this. You sh if, if you're in a JROTC or an ROTC unit, absolutely apply to your congressman or congresswoman at a yep. very minimum, if mm -hmm. not your senators as well. Right. And then when I was in ROTC at uh, Claremont McKenna and USC. I had a lot of partnership schools, uh, University of California schools and Cal State schools. Um, I never uh, put up. I never. I never put up a candidate for a nomination for one of these nominations. Is that because uh, they never asked for one? Yeah, it, it's not. They never asked for one. I also never uh, 
kind of advertised it either. And I, and frankly, I didn't even know I could, uh, <laughs> you know, when mm-hmm. I was back then. So there was a lot of, it wasn't, I wasn't trained on this kind of thing. So I had no idea. I think if a cadet of mine in my program had come up and say, you know, you can nominate me for West Point, I would have gone, what the, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but nobody actually ever did. But, you know, when you take a look, so for example, with Army ROTC, there's 272 programs. You can nominate three for every program. That's 816 people that could be nominated from an Army ROTC program. Now, is that realistic? I mean, you know, in my brigade and ROTC, you know, 8th Brigade, we had, I don't know how many programs, like 13 or 14 programs. Uh, I don't remember ever talking to my colleagues about this. So I don't Do think... Do you think that's that, a geographic Yeah, yeah. Too, I think, you know, and I know we talked about this before the podcast today, but I think it's, you know, there, this may be more prevalent, like in a place like, say, a senior military college, like Texas A&M or the Citadel or something like that, where, you know, where they go there for a year and they perp- then they're doing... ROTC and they purpose the one of their reasons for going there is to, you know, is to reapply to a service academy. So it may be more prevalent at one of those senior military colleges. So, um, so, but obviously, if you're, if you're at Texas A&M or the Citadel, and you know they've got three slots. If I'm at, you know, Claremont McKenna, that I've never ever did this, I got three slots. So it's kind of skewed a little bit because, you know, the, the Texas A&M, which is a huge program, is the same amount of slots to give somebody a, a, a nomination than a podunk program or, you know, a program that has, you know, 30 cadets. So I think it's worthwhile talking about who these nominations are physically going to. You know, there's only 20 of them. And who's going to get this nomination. So it's really, it's probably going to go to extremely qualified candidates very early within the application cycle. So we're, you know, when does the application open up in the summer before your, your senior year uh, of high school. And with that being said, it's likely going to be based off of the scholar athlete leader model. So you're, you're looking at the whole candidate score. You're trying to maximize that whole candidate score. And when we look at different nominations, some people make the assumption that, oh, maybe this other type of nomination, the requirements aren't as high. I don't have to get as high of an SAT, ACT score. And that's just not the case. Um, most likely, you know, you're, you're going to have to be on, on the average, if not higher, of, of what congressional appointees are actually scoring. So, you know, we're looking at high SAT, ACT scores. You want to shoot for above a 1,400 or 32 for the ACT. You you probably have earned a letter, at least one letter in varsity sports and or you're a team captain. And since you are active in JROTC or ROTC with high school, with regards to high school and junior ROTC, you're probably a leader leader within your company, within your unit you're you've achieved that that leadership level and and your your senior leadership of cadre recognizes that and they're willing to support you and you have a good relationship with your cadre if you're in rotc in college you really haven't had the time to get to that point but you're because realistically you're in the first six months of of that detachment if you're a freshman and you're reapplying to service academy but your cadre have probably recognized that you're a star candidate regardless, and they're going to go out 
um, on your behalf, especially if this is an institution that is used to pushing people to service academies like those senior military colleges that you mentioned before, sir. Yeah, no, absolutely right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if you only got 20, uh, and we talked a little earlier about how many possible nominations you can have or people being submitted, uh, clearly, clearly, you know, the, the early bird gets the worm, as you might say. So, you know, you want to get your things done early. So if you, if the application opens up in July, you know, you want to have almost all of your stuff done so that when you put in the nomination uh, and that hits, when the Academy evaluates you, you know, you'll have the then, uh, you know, and if you're, you know, one of those candidates you're talking about, then, you know, then you could really get an appointment through there. If you wait until, you know, October, November, and, you know, you get the nomination goes through then, those 20 slots may be gone by that point. And chances are, if you are a highly qualified candidate, you may or may not already have a letter of assurance from the service academy. So that's just going to make it really easy for them to actually give you the appointment early on because you already have the LOA. Now you have a nomination and they're just going to say, hey, we want this person. We want to commit them to our class because they're just a really stellar candidate and they've shown that military propensity and uh, they're, you know, they're ready for this. It's interesting, though, to look at the number of nominations of people that are being nominated under this category. For instance, the Naval Academy publishes how many students are nominated across different categories. And it's somewhere around 300 to 400 students a year for the Naval Academy alone. And as we were talking about, sir, before this, it's probably a lot more for West Point, even though West Point doesn't publish those numbers. It's probably somewhere around 500, just because there are so many more ROTC and JROTC units for people to be nominated by. Right. So you're looking at three to 500 nominees for 20 slots. You should be applying yeah. for your congressional nomination too. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, to, you know, expect to get an appointment of one of those 20 slots out of the junior ROTC, ROTC category is, is going to, is going to be not impossible, but difficult. So let's, so uh, Trish, go ahead and take, uh, let's take West Point, for example, as that's just one example. And then I guess we can go through the other ones and maybe talk because there are, you know, maybe some nuances, but um, let's just walk through it here. Yeah. Really, okay. So you're looking at a few different categories for West Point. If you're interested in this nomination, there's one form for all the nominations and you can get that form from the candidate portal. So realistically, you're going to have to be a candidate already before you pursue this nomination. It's not something you can do before. So you'll have a candidate login, you'll go to the portal, you'll click on this nomination form, and you'll be able to take that to your uh, your army instructor, if you're ROTC or J junior ROTC, or your professor of military science, if you're an ROTC student, and uh, that person is going to fill out a bunch of criteria about you and and potentially write in comments about you. So that's this is why you want to have them on your side and and supportive of you, and you want to have shown that you've excelled throughout the program, that you have a good attitude, everything there. And there's some, some nuances in terms of what you can actually apply for. So if you're applying, if you're in Army Junior ROTC, let's say, 
you can, you're eligible for West Point. However, if you are a honor unit with distinction, you're also eligible to apply to the other service academies cross service. And that applies to any unit. If you are in any type of junior ROTC program and it's a, a unit with merit, then you can apply, you can potentially be nominated to all three service academies. Right. But if let's just say you're in Civil Air Patrol or you're in um, you're in Air Force Junior ROTC, then you would, and it's not a unit with distinction, then you'd only be eligible to apply to the Air Force Academy. Right. So it's important. So if you're going to go, you're going to say if you're doing Army Junior ROTC and you're not a unit with distinction, you've got to just you, you're only going to be able to go through the nomination for West Point, not to the other service academies. So, so from what I understand from the, from these units with distinctions around 10 to 15% of units are honor units with distinction. And so, you know, what happens is, is that, uh, is that they get inspected each year. Uh, the folks from their services come down, take a look at the junior ROTC unit. And then the ones that are at the top peck of the pecking order through the inspections get this honor unit with distinction, which again is only about 10 to 15%. So it's really not a lot of schools. And if you're in a junior ROTC program, you, you'll generally know if you're honor unit with distinction. And there's a few ways to tell too. For Army specifically, an honor unit with distinction is, you can see it because you're wearing a gold star badge on your uniform. Mm -hmm. If you're just an honor unit you'll, or below, you'll have a blue or a white star. Right. You can also check your unit's orders. So your unit will have orders and you can look at that and, and see, is, is this an honor unit or not? Right. And so each of the academies have that list. And so they'll know which, which units are honor units with distinction, and which are just units that, you know, uh, have done well, but aren't, don't have that type of distinction. So, um, so that's West Point. What about Air, a Naval Academy and Air Force? So Naval Academy and Air Force aren't, aren't quite as easy as West Point makes it. Uh, you do, there's no way to upload the form to the portal or, or anything like that, but you can, there is a form for Navy. It's called form 1010-5. And again, this will be on our blog post, but you can mail that form or email it to your, to the Naval Academy admissions office. Uh, it's, it's similar to West Point in terms of they're checking off okay, is this student in junior ROTC, ROTC, or are they being nominated under the honor unit with, with, with a merit category? But uh, unlike West Point, which you can only nominate three students per unit to West Point, if you have an honor unit, then you're potentially eligible to send up to six students only to Navy. You can send, and then you can send three others to uh, the Air Force Academy or or West Point. Now, is that really, in the grand scheme of, of things, much of a difference? It's it's really not. If if you're a Navy ROTC and you want to go to the Naval Academy, chances are, if you have a good relationship with your detachment, you're going to be able to apply for that nomination, assuming that um, your senior instructor or professor of Naval Science supports you. Mm -hmm. And then for Air Force Academy, Air Force Academy is very similar, except it's much harder to find their forms. So we will be posting a link to form 
0-761, which is how you request a um, Air Force JROTC nomination. And each of e- either your aerospace science instructor, if you're in JROTC, or your professor of aerospace studies, they can all nominate up to five students per unit. So it's even more competitive for Air Force, right? If five students per unit are being nominated for those 20 vacancies. And so same thing with the honor unit. Um, you know, generally it's around 10%, um, you know, 10 to 20, usually what between 10 to 20 who get the, the distinguished unit uh, or, you know, for Air Force Junior ROTC. So, you know, so it's still, you know, again, to if you're an Air Force Junior ROTC and you're in that distinguished, you know, uh, category, then you can get a nomination to West Point or the Naval Academy through that process. So, so what are what are the takeaways here? sir? <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I mean, you know, there's uh, so, you know, it's not a magic pill. Okay, it's not it, it that that's probably the biggest thing I think that that I would take away from this. I mean, it's lots of interesting trivia that we have here, lots of interesting information. What's a what's a honor unit versus a distinguished unit? Who can get a nomination where? How how many nominations are there out there? Uh, all of these, you know, categories that make your head spin. <laughs> However, there's only 20 of them. All right. There's only 20 and that's four. And and we already laid out earlier that there's there's possibly thousands of people who could be nominated for these 20 slots. So the so the so the big deal, the the, the takeaway that the biggest takeaway I have with this is that you've got to be a strong candidate, you know, and if you're a strong candidate that's going to win one of these, you know, 10 or excuse me, 20 appointments out of this category it's likely that you would probably win your district or be in the top 150 of qualified alternates. Uh, I, I don't have the data on these 20 people, but my guess is that all of them probably are extremely competitive candidates. So, and they would get a nomination anyway, probably from their congressman, uh, if they put in that that. that and we can uh, say firsthand from working with with candidates who've actually won the nomination through this category, that that is absolutely the case. The, the few we've worked with, you know, they would have won the congressional nomination top right. slot. Yeah, they 100%. would have won. They would have won their district, or they would have gotten into the top. They're probably into the top one hundred and fifty of qualified alternates. So what I'm saying is, a lot of we get a lot of letters from people who are making a big deal out of this category, who are who are thinking this is some sort of magic formula. And the reality is there's hardly anybody who gets, gets the slots out of this category, you know? So, uh, I mean, it's, it's great. You get the nom out of that because they can give an almost an unlimited number of nominations, you know, out of this category, but the reality is only 20 who get it. So, you know, so, and certainly do not just apply to this particular, just don't get the nom out of this only. You know, don't just don't say, I got the junior ROTC or ROTC. That's all I need. Uh, you know, it's likely you're not going to get the appointment. You need to apply to all the categories that you can. And, and then, oh, by the way, regarding the top 150, the only way you can fall into the top 150 of qualified alternates is if you have a congressional nomination. It's, you, if you have a service-connected nomination, you can't 
qualified for that for the category of the qualified alternates of the top 150. So really, you know, it's it's kind of an extra category. You know, you get a nomination, but you know, the, getting the appointments another thing. I think it really just kind of sends the message home when you look at the Naval Academy, for instance. So there, in in the past years, there have been over 300 students competing for 20 slots. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're in your congressional district, you're one, you're, you're 10 students com- competing for one slot. I like the odds of that much higher, much better. What's the, uh, I'm trying to think, what is that? 300, I've got to get my calculator out. <laughs> 20 divided by 313 is 6%. So that's wow. 6% versus 10%. And then we do West Point. That's 4%. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, the odds are not in your favor with this as much, you know, and, and so, you know, but, uh, but again, it's a category. You certainly, if you qualify, you certainly should throw in your name into that hat. Uh, you may get it. You know, as as one of my uh, instructors when I was a master's student at the University of Pittsburgh, the great Dr. Go- Dr. Donald Goldstein said, you can't cry if you don't apply. <laughs> That's great advice. Words, God, words God, rest, God rest Dr. Goldstein. So, by the way, he was he ran the Air Force ROTC program at, at Pitt, University of Pittsburgh, and then went to become an instructor in the GISPIA, the Graduate School of Public and International Affairs. And when I was going to grad school in the Army, he was one of my instructors, but a legend there at the University of Pittsburgh. But you can't cry if you don't apply. Excellent. <laughs> Good advice, right? We get. We I think it's good. advice for service academy applicants in general, right? This is so, right. so many people's dream. and it- Yep. And so... Uh, you know, so do we have anything more to talk about here with this? I think we, you know, we've got a, we're going to give you those links and we've got the sources. Uh, we have that, we have an interesting chart uh, to show you with the, uh, with the kind of the number of possible vacancies. So we'll maybe cut that out and put it as a link uh, to the, in, in this podcast here and, and uh, on YouTube. Yeah, and YouTube. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, All well, right, good. Sir. So hopefully we've satisfied those people who are interested in this category and wondering, wondering about it. And of course, as you know, I get you know my, you know, in the end of this thing, I get all bent out of shape, you know, and things. So you have to forgive me on this, and hopefully I wasn't ranting too much here at the end of this podcast. Here, I think I think truth and honesty are important, sir. <laughs> okay. All right, Trish, until next, until our next truth and honesty <laughs> time that we're together, I will see you again on this YouTube channel and podcast. Okay. Thanks, sir. You've reached the end of another episode of the Gain Service Academy Admission Podcast. Connect with us at gainserviceacademyadmission.com. Love this episode of the podcast? Head over to iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you listen to, to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.